Welcome to another glorious episode of React Native Radio Podcast, brought to you by Apple Vision Pro, because my life will seem way more awesome when I look at it through a pair of $3,500 goggles. Episode 269, React Native Vision Camera V3 with Mark Rusavi. Mazen, have you ever been to Germany or Austria before? As long as the airport in Frankfurt counts, yes. You know, I'll, I'll count that. Um, you must be basically fluent in German by this point. Oh, right? absolutely. We're going to do this episode in German. Yeah. Is that why? Yeah. Well, let's let's try. Yeah, let's try. No, I'm. Boy, I, I took two years of German in high school, but it's so bad, and my pronunciation is so horrible that our guest, who I will introduce in a bit, was cringing when he heard me say anything in German. So I'm <laughs> not even going to say it. I'm not even going to try. Uh, but I did spend like a week in Germany and it was fun. Like I, I was uh, doing a road trip. So that, that was really cool. But our guest is not from Germany. He's from Austria. Mark, you speak German though, right? Like you, you're, that's your native language. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of like the same thing, but it's not really. So it's kind of like a, you know, Southern accent in, in Austria. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's Austrian German. So it's, it's like a little, it's a little different flavor of it. Okay. That makes sense. Right. But the people in, in Munich, for example, they speak basically the same kind of uh, accent. I, I don't know why, but I'm absolutely fascinated by accents and dialects in other languages. I don't really care about English, like whatever, you know, but other languages I find endlessly fascinating, the different dialects. And sometimes they turn into like full other languages, even though they're pretty similar. So, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Any chance you're a football fan or soccer, as we call it in this great country? Um, I am, uh, kinda, so, you know, I'm not really, you know, we don't really have a strong national, you know, team in Austria. Um, but I, you know, watched, uh, like the world cup and everything. Well, thank you and the Austrians for Marcel Sabitzer. He's a very good player. <laughs> yeah, I agreed. Yeah. <laughs> I knew Mazen was going to try to weave in sports in here. So, <laughs> Hey, let the record show. It wasn't me this time. Yes. I did spend a week in Germany and my two years of high school German where I got a C and I got like all A's other than that in, in high school, but German was tough for me. Uh, it actually came in handy. I was able to have a conversation with an Uber driver who didn't speak English. Uh, that was kind of fun, even though it was just, you know, like asking where he was from and how long he'd been in Berlin and stuff. So do you know how to like, say, you know, you speak a little bit of German if someone asks you if you speak any German? I don't like I would, I would say what would it be? Um, what, what, okay, th th I'm going to embarrass myself in front of <laughs> 5,000, 6,000 people, many of whom are Germans or speak German. Oh, but no. <laughs> uh, like, I would probably say something like, nicht so viel. <laughs> oh, that's good, actually. That's good, yeah. Really? Yeah, it was actually, that was kind of surprising. That was actually good. What does yeah. that translate? I would to? say, like, is that like so so? Um, you said what? Nicht so viel? Nicht, nicht so viel. Yeah, it means, you know, not so much. Yeah. You know, yeah. just kind of like a little bit. Um, if you you want to say, if you want to directly translate just a little bit, then it would be ein kleines bisschen. A, a yeah, small amount? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah kind of like that. Yeah, that's what most people so say. So I know, I know being a, or yeah, I know, uh, klein, I mean, I mean, it's small. Yeah. And, yeah. Klein okay. small, yeah. yeah. So I see, I, I, I probably know more. And that was actually the thing I found out when I was traveling through Germany was that when I, 
when I would read signs and stuff, I could actually read a lot of them and I could actually understand. And there were, there were more words than I, than I expected to know, but it was just more, maybe the confidence. And it was also just sort of gluing it all together. That was tough for me. Um, yeah. I mean, at least it's like the same letters, right? If you yeah. like were to go to Russia or something like that, or yeah, I don't know, China, yeah. that's a yeah. bit more tricky. I, I also learned some Finnish because oh, yeah? my, my mom, like that was her first language was Finnish, but she never taught us. So, but she also knew like a very old dialect of Finn, like over a hundred years old. Like that was her, uh, because they, like, that's when my ancestors moved to America it was very long ago. And so their dialect survived. So they um, were from Finland. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Originally mm -hmm. from Finland. My mom is a hundred percent Finnish. So yeah, that was, that was pretty cool to learn a little bit of Finnish. And now if I were to go back to Finland, I've been to Helsinki once, um, I would be able to at least communicate a little bit uh but the thing is most people speak english there so i don't know just like your your accent's like beautiful you know it's like awesome like you're amazing at english <laughs> me yes absolutely yeah. oh, wow. okay <laughs> well thank you <laughs> i mean you don't sound maybe like an american but you know like, yeah i i'm always blown away by how good people's english is i mean the funny thing is um like about you know i speak um you know german during the day and then you know english if i talk to clients or you know some people i work with um and then later in the day you know my, my english skills kind of get you know um uh, less and less good so <laughs> it's it's becoming harder for me to speak you know the later it gets during the day it's kind of weird to explain but i mean obviously you get a little bit tired you know and everything yeah. uh and the first thing you notice is that the, you know that you're English uh, skills kind of decrease, I would say, <laughs> but you know, you know, for me, it's like it's like six p.m. right now, which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, is it like coding? Like, does coding do the same thing? You start getting a little bit less less effective as time goes on, or do you do better coding at night? Actually, no. I think um, I think coding is like I, you know, I, I don't want to say I can do it all day. That sounds kind of like nerdy, <laughs> but but you know, I think I think I could do it like you know very for a very very long time. Whereas mm -hmm. you know, speaking English is something that you know that's the first first uh, thing that's starting to to fail. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Switching the context in your head is tough. Like switching the language context in your head all the time is is tough. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One thing one thing I wanted um, wanted to ask you. You said you're. I mean, have you been to Finland often? Uh, just once. I went to Helsinki and uh, ah, okay. gave mm -hmm. a talk there at React Finland. Okay, so you, okay, I see. Because there's, you know, I think, I'm not sure how big of a thing it is there, but I see a lot of people going there to, you know, for snow drifting. Mm. Um, you know, um, there's there's this one Austrian YouTuber who went there. Um, I'm not sure if it was Finland or some other Scandinavian country. I'm not I'm not too sure about that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they they all go there, you know, with their Mitsubishi Evos, Nissan GTRs and everything and just do like, mm -hmm. you know, lots of snow drifting there i always wanted to try that i mean we have a little bit of snow here in austria um and drifting is always you know possible here but it's not as cool like uh, as yeah. on a frozen lake or something like that oh man yeah yeah that'd be amazing yeah. north northern finland or or really anywhere if it's cold enough yeah no i finland was great it was cold it was like april so <laughs> it was about this time of year and it was very cold yeah, yeah it, was it was really cool i really liked it i should do intros um so i'm jamin holmgren i am your host and friendly CTO of Infinite Red. I live in the USA, Pacific Northwest, with my wife and four kids. And uh, I am joined today by my unparalleled co-host, Mazen. Mazen Chami lives in Durham, North Carolina, with his wife and baby boy. He is a former pro soccer player and coach, and is a senior React Native engineer here at Infinite Red. With us today is Mark Rosabi. He is the CEO at Margello and... 
Mark is an Austrian full stack developer, not Australian for those of you in America. Those are two different countries. Uh, although he does apparently have some Australian in his background, which is really weird, but he's Austrian full stack developer. Uh, he excels in mobile back or sorry, mobile apps, backends and AI, which is kind of fun. Very similar to me. Uh, works a lot with UI UX. Uh, he's done C plus plus Node.js, And of course, react native. He created popular open source libraries, one of which we're going to be talking about today. And of course, also the CEO of the elite app development agency, Margello. Um, and Mark and I have been connected on Twitter for quite some time. Really happy to have you on, Mark. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Before we get started, I want to say that this episode is sponsored by Infinite Red. Uh, Infinite Red is a premier React Native design development agency located fully remote in the U.S. and Canada. If you're looking for React Native expertise for your next React Native project, hit us up at infinite.red slash React Native. And don't forget to mention that you heard about us through the React Native Radio podcast. All right, let's get into our topic for today. Uh, Mark, you made React Native Vision Camera, and we're going to be talking about version 3. But before we get into that, I want to ask you, how did you get into coding? You're, you're a fairly young guy, um, but you've been doing this for a little while now. How did you get into it? I I guess it's kind of tricky to to answer. I mean, I... I'm I'm 22 now. I'm turning 23 next month, um, so I'm I'm fairly young, and I guess I kind of got into coding through like video games. So mm -hmm. I was always like a big big fan of like you know Call of Duty and and those kinds of games. And I you know obviously the small kid uh, playing video games, you always wanted to be like a game. I always wanted to be a game developer, um, which is a very unrealistic career. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I always wanted to do that, and I I decided to go to. Like we have this, you know, whole different school system here in Austria where you go to, I guess it would be high school for you guys. You know, when mm -hmm. you're in which, which school are you when you're like 17? High that would be high school. Yeah. Yeah. So if you go to high school, you have this one um, like exam at the end, right? The, mm -hmm. I guess finals would be for you, um, which is kind of like almost uh, university already. You know, it's kind of like a bachelor's degree almost, but not really, right? So there's this one, this one thing where, where you can, you know, which is enough to get a, a very good job. Um, and then additionally, you can go to uni, which I didn't do. I mean, I went to uni for uh, three days, but yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I go, uh, I went into a school where you, you know, get this, this like, you know, IT background and, you know, you learn lots of IT and have this one, you know, IT exam as well. And there's different, you know, subjects for, for IT. We had like data systems and, you know, software development and all those kinds of, um, subjects. Um, and yeah, so I went to that school and I think the first two, three years, maybe. So it's like five years in total. Um, the first two, three years, I wasn't interested in, you know, programming at all. And I wasn't really good at school at this point. So I had like, you know, bad grades and everything. Um, but then, in summer, my my dad was like, "Yo, you need to get a job and everything, you know." And then I, 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 I you know, thought, yeah, "Why not get a you know developer job?" And I found a job where I did C sharp for like mm -hmm. a big corporation here, and I kind of liked C sharp. I was like, "Oh, this language is actually cool. It's kind of like the cooler you know Java," and I started doing lots of C sharp. I started writing you know kind of like annoying trolling software <laughs> not really viruses but like annoying software uh, was the first thing that actually you know made lots of fun mm -hmm. um and those kind of spread around school right there was a, at one point i had this one big you know annoying troll software where i could control fully control other people's laptops and even the, <laughs> the teacher had it right so i was like i could 
it was very very bad so it was a full <laughs> privacy violation and everything <laughs> but yeah that was so that was fun that was kind of when i got into programming and so after school i um you know we have this thing in austria where you have to do one year of um military or civil service mm-hmm. um i did civil service where i was a paramedic for one year and i kind of got bored during a job you know sometimes you just sit there and wait until you know there's an alarm or something and when there's nothing happening you don't have anything to do and uh i wanted to build an app so that's how i got into app development i started doing swift first um i wanted to build uh, like a cocktail uh mixer app where you can Mm -hmm. you know film a a glass and it tells you how much you have to put in to mix a perfect cocktail Mm -hmm. so a really tricky app as a first app uh it was already camera related so i guess this kind of moves into another another topic then in in a second but yeah i didn't manage to release that because it was just too tricky at that point um but i got you know into app development that i then changed to react native because i wanted to you know make it cross-platform as well and then i started doing like a used goods marketplace app so kind of like craigslist or or whatever but for austria and yeah um then i joined a startup and yeah, during that startup, I started working on some of the libraries that we know today. Um, so React Native MMKV, Vision Camera, and uh, React Native Blurhash, some other libraries as well. And yeah, that's how, how I kind of got into React Native and programming in general. How'd you start Margello? Because that it's a very young age to be starting an agency. I started mine when I was 23. So, you know, I wasn't much older than you, but I was you know, a yeah. little older than you. Uh, how did you start Margello? So I, I did, uh, yeah, I did join the startup at that time. Um, I worked for that startup and, you know, it wasn't like a very early startup. It wasn't going to be successful. Uh, okay. But at that time I thought, you know, why not try it? Um, and I didn't earn any money. So, um, yeah, it was was kind of like a, you know, bit of a tricky time at that point. Um, but I made all of those libraries. I put in like countless, countless of hours. I think I had like a point where I was like at 100 or 80 hours a week or something like that, wow. which is like insane, right? Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, spri- was it what is it called summer break, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, worked a lot. I did all of those libraries and um, then the startup failed. So I was like, well, yeah, what, what, what do I do now? Um, mm-hmm. And at that time, my, my libraries and my Twitter was kind of, you know, becoming more popular mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the libraries uh, gained lots of traction and lots of people started using React Native Blurhash, MMKV and Vision Camera. And... Actually, I think Vision Camera, it was around the time when, when I was about to, or when I published Vision Camera. Um, so, you know, React Native MMKV and Blurhash gained lots of traction, and um, my Twitter gained lots of traction as well. And I kind of teased Vision Camera there a bit, and then I released Vision Camera, and then everything started to explode. So there was like, you know, lots of companies DM'd me, I think, um, you know, Microsoft and, and all those kinds of big companies just reached out to me, and they were like, yo, we, you know, we saw your libraries and whatever. Like, you know, real personal DMs, not like the normal job offers right. you get on LinkedIn. Um, so I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So this is actually a very, you know, I would say it's a volatile, is that how you pronounce mm-hmm. it? Volatile space. Yeah. Um, but it was so fast moving, um, that, you know, I was like, okay, you can really, you know, pull something there. You can really invent something there. Uh, and I started, you know, putting more effort into those libraries. And at first it sounds stupid, right? If you try to explain this concept to other people, you put countless of hours into an open source project. You basically upload your code and everybody can use it for free. Um, you get GitHub sponsors. I got I got lots of GitHub sponsors. So huge shout out to everyone who's sponsoring me on GitHub. That's I love awesome. you all. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's not going to, at the end of the day, it's not going to pay for like rent and everything. But it is good amount of support. So it becomes really interesting though when, you know, lots of companies or bigger companies um, 
start using your libraries, right? So there's, you know, that's that's the whole idea of React Native. Everything is open source. Everything is like a third party library, you know, with a lean core concept. So everybody pulls in another library and then, then there's like multiple people maintaining multiple aspects of the ecosystem. So for me, it was like MMKV, the, you know, um, local storage kind of alternative for React Native and cameras. Um, so I did Vision Camera. And basically at that point, Vision Camera was already you know, it had more features than all the other camera libraries, but we can talk about that in a second. So every app that had a camera, every React Native app that had a camera, kind of thought about using Vision Camera. So that was the point when, you know, I got lots of job offers and I was like, okay, I really want to work for, you know, basically all of those companies or most of those companies, but I don't want to decide which one I want to, you know, work yeah. with all the time. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do some freelance work. The first first project that I actually worked for um, was ClipDrop, which is a French AI startup, um, which allowed you, and I think everybody has seen it at this point, this is the top post on Reddit, on r slash React Native of all time, um, where they have their camera and they scan like this flower pot and then hold onto it, then move over to the laptop and release the finger and it pastes it, you know, uh, you know, with a cutout onto the screen, um, which is I've insane. Seen that. It's feels, amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've seen that. Uh, it feels like magic. And yes. I worked for them. Um, I built a quick editor for them, um, which is a native module and everything. And yeah, so this was also the point where I was like, okay, I think my, you know, my, like my area of interest is native module development. I really like React Native. I'm really good at, you know, building apps and making, writing efficient, you know, JavaScript code and clean types and everything. But I'm mostly interested in like, you know, this native kind of structure and then abstracting things. Um, so I was like, okay, API, API design is what I want to do. Then I joined Expo um, for uh, also a very short duration. I was like, I think two months at Expo um, because Charlie DM'd me. Charlie's a really amazing guy. I'm not sure if you, uh, have you talked to Charlie before? Yeah, Charlie yeah. Charlie and yeah. I are, are fairly close. I, I, he's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. No, Charlie is, Charlie's absolutely awesome. I met him in San Francisco actually in January. So yeah, and then I worked at Expo, but yeah, it, at, I think after that, I decided to just uh, create an agency or make this kind of, you know, this freelancing more like a, you know, group project almost. Mm -hmm. So it was all very organically, right? I was like, okay, I have too many clients right now, too much traction. I want to do everything. I know a few people through Twitter. I was like, yo, let's do this together. Um, let's do like three projects at a time. And then we're three people. And then we kept growing, growing, growing. And then this kind of structure formed around it. And now, you know, we have an office here in Vienna. We have employees, we have an assistant, we have, you know, HR, and like, you know, she's doing HR as well. We have accounting and everything. Um, so it's, it's kind of like organically, but at the same time, it's also like, you know, this kind of very specific market that we, you know, fit in. How, how big is the company? Like how many people? So we're 11 in total. We have most of our, you know, teammates are um, under like, you know, freelance contracts because that's, I think, you know, the simplest approach for working together. Right. And then in, in Vienna, we are five people. Okay. I mean, that's yeah. really good. Like you're, <laughs> you're, you're on an accelerated uh, uh, time timeline. I didn't get my first employee until I was probably, oh, I don't know. I was probably 26, 27, something like that. Mm, and then okay. I grew up to about 12 people by the time I was I think 30. Uh, so it took me a little longer to get to where you are. That's amazing. You're, you're doing, you're doing great. It's going very fast. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. cool, but also kind of scary, you know, it's a little it scary. Up yeah. fast, it can also go down fast. Absolutely. Um, but 
but yeah, I may, I'm just, you know, my role here in, the, in this company is making sure that everything's stable, everything mm -hmm. works and we're on the right track. Fantastic job. That's pretty cool. I mean, running a company and then Thank you. doing all these open source stuff that I kind of mentioned it in the, the chat a little bit earlier. Your name sounded very familiar. And then when you mentioned MMKV, I was like, that's where I've heard. That's where I've heard your name. <laughs> that's a pretty cool library. But anyways, we're shifting to, to vision camera here. What's the inspiration? Like what inspired you to actually build that library in the first place? Because it's it sounds like a very niche one. You don't have a lot of apps that necessarily use the camera, but when they do, they rely on it heavily, right? So what inspired yeah. you to kind of do that one, you know, niche like specific? Um, so, you know, everything was kind of, as I said before, everything was kind of organically. So in a startup, in the, in the first startup that I joined, um, we kind of like our main competitor was Snapchat. Okay. Um, so it was already very tricky to, to succeed. Um, but yeah, we wanted to have a camera that's, you know, high quality, starts really, really fast, um, can, you know, do all of, all those kinds of like modern things that a Snapchat and Instagram camera can do. And, you know, if you, if you just think about a camera right now, it might sound very simple, right? But then if you use, for example, React Native Camera or React Native Camera Kit, I mean, React Native Camera Kit, you can't even record mm -hmm. videos. Uh, it's very simple and it's very cool for, for taking photos and everything. It's a cool library. Um, and I took actually lots of inspiration from it. Uh, but then you can't really record videos. And then we took a look at React Native Camera and in React Native Camera, you can record videos, but it's, you know, a bit tricky. Some things are kind of broken. Um, it was unmaintained at the time already. And, um, then we found all those kinds of like very, very specific things. Um, for example, if you record a video on Snapchat and then double tap the screen, it continues the recording and flips the camera. And then it records from the yeah. front camera or from the back camera, which sounds simple, but that's not an out of the box feature. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really hard to implement because. So I don't want to get into too much technical stuff, um, but just this as an example, right? This was one thing that was uh, really annoying for our, you know, C uh, CEO at the time. He was like, yo, this should work, you know? And I'm, I'm like, you know, I thought it would work out of, out of the box, but then I took a look at the, you know, native iOS code and the way you implement video recording was um, by using this AV capture video file delegate and you just start a recording, it writes to a file, and then it stops it. And if you want to switch uh, or flip the camera, you can't really do that because the video capture output is bound to the um, camera input. So you can't really, you know, continue the recording there. I mean, you could use some magic, like, you know, stopping the recording and starting it, starting it again, but then you lose some frames and some, I guess, some video frames and audio frames, um, and it gets really, really tricky. So what you had to do, or what we had to do, was implementing uh, AV capture video data output delegate, which is receiving buffers like the raw video buffers and raw audio buffers, and then manually write those buffers to the file. So, you know, building a new media encoder. Um, there's some helpers there in the iOS framework, but, you know, as you can probably imagine, that's like, you know, like lots of lines of code just for this one simple or seemingly simple feature. So, yeah, all those kinds of features kind of summed up. Um, what else was it? I think, you know, recording while music or Spotify is playing. That's also something that's really tricky to do with a uh, React Native Camera. Um, and then we just decided, okay, you know, React Native Camera also doesn't have any filters um, or like, you know, custom filters. I mean, I think there's like sepia, sepia color filters or something like that, um, but not like, you know, 3D masks and everything. So I was like, okay, this isn't enough for, for our, I guess, use case. Um, so we need to build our own camera library. Um, and that's what I did. So we, yeah, I created a new native module. Um, I did have some experience at that time, you know, from React Native, MMKV and Blurhash. But yeah, that's kind of how, you know, we build Vision Camera at, you know, at this time, it was still 
you know, private native module. Um, but I built everything very generically and, you know, me loving API design, I was like, okay, I can make this very generic. I can make this work for every use case. Um, because, you know, some people might want just photo. Some people just want to record video. Some people want to record GIFs, so video without audio. Um, and some people might want it to start really, really fast. So that's when you don't want to use um, video stabilization because that's a hardware feature and also takes time to boot up. So all those kinds of very, very specific things, yeah. right? And I could really, you know, be a nerd and talk about all of those kinds of very, very specific things, <laughs> but that's, you know, way too much for a single podcast right now. Um, but yeah, I think that video stabilization is a, is a good example. So there's like three stages, you know, off, on and hardware. And, you know, the video stabilization being off obviously starts the quickest. Um, that's how it works in Snapchat. So if you record a video and you have shaky hands, it's actually shaking a lot. Um, if you record the same video on Instagram, which is a similar camera to Snapchat, it has basic video stabilization, um, but it starts a little bit slower than Snapchat. Difference being that Snapchat's main or home screen is the camera. So that's why it needs to be fa as fast as possible. And on Instagram, it's one separate yeah. step, um, you know, away. Uh, and then the most tricky uh, video stabilization is obviously hardware, which takes like almost, I think, two seconds or something like that on my iPhone 11 um, to start up. Uh, and that's the cinematic mode on your yeah. um, stock camera app. So yeah, all those kinds of very specific features made me uh, build a separate module for that and pack all of that under a nice and easy to use API. That's pretty cool. And I mean, you just mentioned some some things that make vision cameras stand out from the, the core ones that are available out there, which is amazing. And your documentation is also very well written. So I think that's very helpful for, for developers out there trying to do <laughs> Thank that. Thank you. Yeah. So V2 is out right now. And I see you're working, mm -hmm. you're currently working on V3. I just, I want to say something real quick that you, you posted. I think it was you that posted this, right? Um, let me find, yes, you posted this. And I think this is amazing for people that aren't native developers or maintainers of libraries that are working on, you know, the pull in, you know, all you do is NPM, Yarn ad, vision camera, follow the, the docs on the first page and you're done. Well, for those people, one thing you posted on here was V3, how much code is involved in V3? And I think some people should like, should hear these stats because this is incredible for you to be doing this in your spare time at the same time. So if you wanted to build an app from purely native, you're talking about 700, about 700 lines of codes across five files. In addition, 300, about 300 lines of very low level C style code, about 40 lines of metal shader code. I don't know what that means, but that's still 40 more lines than I know. 30 lines of code to set up face detector. Meanwhile, on the other hand, if you are using vision camera, it's four lines of code, 35, 35 lines of code for face detector and 13 lines of code for frame processing. You add all those up, there's no competition there. So I think that's, that's an amazing stat there. And this is all coming from, I'm assuming V3. So what is, for me, as a as someone who's developing an app and you know leveraging this this library, um, what are the benefits for me to move from V two to V three? What am I gaining? What am, what new features are available for us? So in V two, um, Vision Camera, you know, aims to provide all of the basic camera features that you want to use in like you know an app like Snapchat and Instagram, but without the like filters aspect. Yeah. Um, and for V3, I guess the biggest feature is filters. And and with filters, I mean, there's different kinds of filters that you can do in a camera app. So first of all, there's like very simple color filters, uh, which are, I think, possible with React Native Camera as of today. I'm not sure about that, but okay. I think I think it is. Something like, a, you know, um, 
I guess sepia color filter or something like that. Um, then there's like you know some 2D filters like let's say you know you wanna you wanna draw a rectangle around a face uh, and update that in real time. You know if it's like you know face tracking me um, and or like blurring a face for example or if maybe you want to build a, like a real-time license plate blurring app so that every time you know you look at a car's license plate it automatically blurs the plate um or and then there's like 3d filters which are really really tricky um there's you know sep completely separate modules for that so on ios you wouldn't use a normal av capture session or a camera or whatever you would use like this ar kit um you know a session that you you set up and you know, then it, it sets up all kinds of like 3D context and then you have your models in there and then bind them to faces and have these like landmarks, landmark points. And Vision Camera V3 aims to support basic filters and like the 2D filters. Um, for 3D filters, I don't think that there's a way to build that into a camera library that's also, I guess, you know, without compromising flexible, uh, without compromising performance. And, you know, I guess maintenance speed as well, because if I actually implement 3D filters in Vision Camera, um, then I would have like two separate camera sessions. And then, you know, something like, I don't know, video stabilization won't work in the, you know, 3D filter session, but only works in a 2D filter session. So that's, you know, I think where, where you can draw the line. If you really need 3D filters, then I guess, you know, this just can't be done in a, in a simple module that can do everything. So I guess this is where, where, where you have to draw the line. Um, 3D filters are something you have to, you know, build yourself and, you know, make them specifically for your app. Um, but Vision Camera V3 aims to support um, basic filters and 2D filters. And all of this is powered by Skia, actually. Mm. So, you know, I'm, I'm very active in, in the ecosystem, obviously, and, uh, you know, everybody wants to use the latest tech and everything. So this is kind of the philosophy I have with Vision Camera as well. Um, it is a lean core concept. So, you know, there's not, you, you know, it doesn't even have a face detector in there. So you can build everything using a frame processor plugin. Um, and I'm kind of, you know, mentioning lots of different things right here, but it all makes sense in a second. Sorry. Um, so, you know, with the lean core concept, um, and a React Native Skia integration, um, you can combine the two, you know, and if you want to enable this feature, you can set up a Skia canvas for, you know, or a Skia preview view, I would say, for drawing stuff onto the camera, per se. This means, uh, where, whereas right now you have this one, like, you know, camera component, which is, you know, kind of like the preview view on your, you know, in your app, and you see what the camera sees. Um, if you want to draw stuff onto that uh, camera view, you have to set up a separate canvas and everything. And that's what this integration allows you to do. So it allows you to set up a, a React Native Skia canvas, um, and then you get the frame and inside the frames coordinate, let's say the frame is a 4K frame, you can draw, for example, if you, if you run a face detector module, you can draw a rectangle box around the user's face. Previously, you would have to, you know, show a separate view on top of the camera view in the React Native view coordinate mm -hmm. system and move this box around with like screen coordinates, which is hacky and not really embedded in the, you know, in the recording as well. So yeah, this is, this is one thing that it allows you to do. And, um, again, as I said, you know, you can also do like blur, uh, like license plate blurring or VHS filters, for example, there's some, you know, Snapchat also has some VHS filters and distortion and, you know, some, some text on there, um, or like invert, like inverting colors, um, sepia filters, all those kinds of things that you can do with Skia, you can also do in vision camera then. And yeah, I think this also includes like beauty filters. It would also probably be very, very simple to implement. 
And the good thing about this is that it builds a foundation or it provides a foundation that allows you to embed all of this in the preview and in the recording and in the, rec and in the final photo as well. So yeah, let's say you want to blur something on a license plate. You can see that on the screen in real time at 60 FPS or maybe even 120 FPS. Uh, you can take a photo and it's still blurred in a photo. And you can also record a video. And you know, the thing about photo is it like it's a different resolution, mm -hmm. obviously, than a preview view. And you can also embed it in a video where it's already pre-recorded. There's, there's no after processing. There's no post-processing to it. You record it directly frame by frame. Yeah. And then, you know, with V3, I was like, okay, you know, I'm doing a new version. Um, but what about the people that don't use those kinds of like, you know, 2D filters? Because it's a very small user base, I would say. So I was like, okay, let's also build a bunch of other features. Um, so sync from frame processors, that's the second thing. Um, it's required for drawing onto a frame um, because you can't draw asynchronously, you have to draw synchronously. So frame processors will be synchronous, meaning um, everything you do blocks the next frame from coming in. This has lots of benefits, obviously, but also a drawback. If you want to do some very long processing, then um, it needs to be async. Like if you want to like do some you know complex face detection or like post detection, and this cannot run at the same time that the camera can run, then you need to run it asynchronously. And for this, I implemented also like a you know a helper function called uh, run async, and you also have a function called run at target FPS, which allows you to throttle, I guess, um, a lambda function as well. Then we have, you know, React Native 0.71 benefits um, with like a much simpler build setup. Um, we're up to date with the uh, latest React Native version. Um, I'm thinking about making it a turbo module, but then this would kind of, you know, block lots of lots of users that are not yet you know, using turbo modules from using it. Um, so this is maybe just a, you know, like version 3.1 thing. Yeah, and then we have also two two more interesting things. No, no, three three more very interesting things. So first is a new declarative API for for device and format selection. I think this is something that we can talk about um, here as well, because the way you I'm not sure have you guys used Vision Camera before? Yes. Uh, Jamin hasn't, but I I have. Okay, so did you select a very specific device like a camera device, or did you just use the default uh, device? Default. Okay, so I think this is what most people do. I think most people just use a default camera device. Um, but you know, if you have your, what kind of phone do you guys have? I'm an iPhone 12, I think it is. 12, okay. Yeah. Um, so, so on an iPhone 12 uh, and on my iPhone 11 Pro and any, you know, I guess latest iPhone, you have multiple cameras and you have multiple capture devices actually. Um, so for example, I'm holding my iPhone 11 Pro here on the front side, I have actually, I think, two, yeah, I have two cameras on the front side. I have this like face, how do you call it, FaceTime front camera. And I have the, you know, the Face ID, um, is it infrared, mm -hmm. I guess, device. And on the back, I have three more cameras, which is the wide angle. This is like the normal or default camera that everybody uses. Then we have the ultra wide angle, which is the, you know, fisheye effect, like the zoomed out or 0 0.5 camera and then i have a telephoto camera which is the you know more zoomed in camera so if you zoom into 2x or 3x um then it switches to this camera which is um you know it has a different field of view and better quality and a zoomed in state right so there's three cameras um if you or i, I think most apps and all react native or all other react native camera libraries just use the default camera so that's the wide angle on the front and the wide angle on the back there's no way of zooming out to the ultra wide angle or the telephoto camera um, in Vision Camera, there is because you can, like the user is in full control over which device he selects. 
And there's even it's, it gets even more interesting because there's also virtual camera devices. For example, on my iPhone 11 Pro on the back side, there's this like virtual or logical device that's called the Multicam. And that's three all three devices combined together. So I can just start in the, in the normal wide angle camera, which is like the camera everybody uses, and then smoothly zoom out and it automatically switches under the hood without you know any black screen or anything. Um, to to the ultra wide angle camera, which is the default behavior that you have in your camera app. So if you open your camera app and then zoom out, it automatically switches the cameras. And this is, you know, it's not tricky to implement with vision camera. You can just use, um, you can just find the multi camera device and then just use that. Pass it to vision camera and it automatically sets everything up for you. That's pretty cool. I just learned something new today. <laughs> yeah, that's really <laughs> cool. And and that's the type of thing where like when you think about this this library, you you probably wouldn't even think about that as being uh, like a whole thing that you have to to think about yeah. but it, it's like when you actually try to implement these features then uh the complexity starts coming through yeah and you know based on what you mentioned i assume once you capture a picture or a video you're getting a higher resolution image at the end of the day is that correct yeah you know if the like the, the preview that you see on your screen is like a you know small like it's a different type of input that's streaming in from the hardware sensor um, and when you take a picture that's a separate I guess, call to the native hardware sensor, which is a higher resolution image. And that's, you know, delegated through the actual camera that you are given, you know, the, or with the given zoom yeah. state right now. And then it resolves with a high resolution picture. There's also like multiple different steps or configuration options there. Um, you can tell on iOS, you can tell the, the camera session, um, what do you want to prioritize speed or quality? Or I guess there's also a, like an in between balance mode. But yeah, there's lots of configuration there. You can tell iOS to also deliver, like I think the delegate has like seven steps. So you can have the state where you, you know, um, I think there's a callback for before flash, while flash and after flash. And then, you know, before take picture, then there's like the, you know, raw data available callback. Then there's like the depth data callback. And then there's like the actual picture callback. Okay. And then there's the... Um, I think shutter effect is also a callback when exactly the point when a shutter effect is being called. So all those kinds of things, you know, you get callbacks for that. Um, and then you can decide what you actually, what, what you actually want to do. Um, so one also, you know, fun, I'm dro dropping a lot of fun facts here. Uh, one fun fact, um, the iOS camera app, when you take a picture, it, it saves or it screenshots the preview view and puts it in the, you know, bottom left corner. Because the high resolution picture isn't fully available yet, and it, this way it seems like the picture is taken quicker. So that's, that's also really one fun cool. fact that you can work yeah, with. That's yeah, that's a neat yeah. uh, like user experience affordance. That's that's yeah. really neat. Yeah, remind me to talk about the Snapchat trick later when we talk about Android, because that's I think the coolest fun fact I I know. <laughs> it's all um, smoke and mirrors, isn't it? <laughs> so. You know, you can uh, select different devices depending on what you actually want to achieve, right? As we said before, there's, you know, multiple camera devices available on your phone. Uh, the 0.5x camera, the ultra wide angle camera is also, you know, not very suitable for, I guess, low light conditions. And I guess in most cases, you really just want to use the 1x camera by, by default or the wide angle camera by default. Because, you know, adding, adding multiple cameras to your, to your camera session, so using the multicam device also increases startup time. So if you really want to use um, or if you really want to allow the user to zoom out or zoom in to the different camera devices, there is a compromise in performance. And that's what, you know, that's what vision camera is about. You, I want to have the user decide what he actually wants to do. If the user wants to prioritize speed, like on Snapchat, then he will probably only want to select the wide angle camera and he will, you know, disable, um, 
uh, video stabilization. And the same thing also applies to formats. So on one phone, you have N devices. And per device, you have N formats. So let's say I, I take the default wide-angle back camera on my iPhone 11 Pro. I think there's, what was it, 30, 40 formats available. Um, and there's like a format with a resolution of 192 by 192, which is like a very, very small, like a, you know, thumbnail mm -hmm. uh, resolution. And then there's like 5K formats and then ProRes and some formats recording, um, you know, different, different photo resolutions, different video resolutions. Some, you know, have very, very high photo resolutions, but then low frame rates because they can't stream in all of this like resolution at like 60 FPS. And some have like lower resolution. So for example, um, there's like a, full HD format, but you can record in 240 FPS. And then Vision Camera provides an API or an you know, easy to use API um, to actually select a different device or a different format, depending on what you know your app wants to do. If you don't want to record any videos, then you don't need to look for formats that have high FPS or you know good video quality or something like that. Your, your primary focus would be photo resolution. So it is up to the user to filter the formats and you get all of that through like one single API call to get all of the formats and filter through them and then pass the matching formats to the camera component. And by default, it uses the default most, you know, best matching format or whatever, um, which works in every case, probably, you know, there's, it's, this is like a very advanced feature. And I want to make that simpler, even simpler to use. Um, right now, you know, you have to imperatively sort the formats and find the best matching one. I want to make that even simpler, maybe by using like a builder format. So I haven't quite thought that out yet. Um, but something like, you know, format dot um, where, I don't know, something like quality is highest and FPS is highest and not photo quality is highest, something like that. And then... Um, we have two more interesting features. <laughs> so that's the, the, the Android rewrite. Um, on Android, I use camera X. Okay. There's, there's three different libraries on, on, on Android for cameras on iOS. There's just this one AV foundation. You use that. It gets improved. That's it. On Android, there's three libraries. There's camera one, camera two, and camera X. Um, whereas camera X is kind of built up, uh, built on camera two. So in reality, there's two kind of two hardware abstraction layers. That's like camera one and camera two. There is a camera three um, hardware abstraction layer, but that's what camera two uses. So it gets, it gets really complicated, but in reality, there's three libraries that you can use or three official libraries that you can use. And camera X is the easiest to use. Camera two is the hardest to use. And camera one is deprecated. With camera two, you have more flexibility with the compromise of, you know, some devices not working, um, some, you know, some devices like some Huawei devices uh, requiring some, some workarounds um, and some custom patches. And it's really hard to use. But yeah, I use camera X for now and I want to rewrite it to camera two, which is going to be a huge pain. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I need to do that to, you know, support because right now you can't, uh, you can't record slow motion on Android. And that's kind of annoying me. So I really want, you know, that to also work on Android. And for that, I need camera too. And then this is like, you know, a very big under the hood change, which allows many more features and much more stability to also work on Android. Um, but then with the compromise of some features that worked before not working again and, you know, requiring me to, to build a fix afterwards. So it's going to be a tricky transition, but yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. <laughs> And then lastly, I want to replace the workload runtime or make it more stable to integrate the whole frame processor thing. So right now I'm using reanimated and 
you know, I built frame processors around reanimated V2, um, which required a bunch of changes in the reanimated repo. And so, you know, huge shout out to the software mansion guys for reviewing my PRs and, and getting, getting stuff merged and helping me and answering my questions. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're amazing. It was a huge help. But yeah, so I, I depend, so Vision Camera depends on reanimated V2 to mm-hmm. provide worklets. Um, a frame processor is a worklet. I'm not sure, I'm, you know, I'm just quickly going to explain what it is. Um, if you have your camera component and you want to add some kind of frame processing, so this is a very generic topic, like, uh, let's say, face detection, maybe even hand det- detection, pose detection, number plate scanning, um, or even QR code scanning, all those kinds of things, or even like WebRTC, like you want to upload, you know, your frame to, to implement a video chat, like FaceTime. Um, all those kinds of things require you to process the frames the camera sees. And before Vision Camera, so like, let's say a React Native Camera, React Native Camera Kit, this was not possible. So what you had to do is either implement your own native camera module or patch React Native Camera with a, you know, very custom code. And, you know, we all hate patches or forks. So with Vision Camera and Worklets, all of this changed because I implemented a feature where you can write a function called a frame processor. It's this one hook, it's called use frame processor that gets called on every frame the camera sees. So if your camera runs at 60 FPS or even 240 FPS or 30 FPS, whatever, this function gets called for every single frame and you receive the frame as a parameter, which is magic. It's if you think about it, it's like, it's mind blowing. Uh, it's, it's, it's real magic. The frame, you know, if, if you have a 4k camera, that's like a 10 megabyte buffer each frame. That's that getting is sent incredible. To, yeah, it's getting sent to, you know, JavaScript, basically. So you have your a, a new 10 megabyte buffer allocated on a GPU, um, 10 megabytes per frame on each frame. You know, if you, you know, 60 times a second, that's that's insane. The, the, the magic behind here is that the frame is a host object and it's, you know, not copying the frame at all. So you just have this one thin wrapper around mm-hmm. the actual 10 megabyte GPU buffer. Uh, which allows you to access stuff on the frame. So if, if, let's say, you know, we're all staying in JavaScript here, right? So the GPU buffer is coming from C++ and in JavaScript, you can do like frame.with and kind of just log that to the console. And on every frame, 60 times a second or even 240 times a second, it outputs the frame width, which would be, um, let's say, 4,000 4, something. And then you can also, in V3, fun fact, you can also convert the buffer to a JavaScript array buffer, which is obviously not really fast because it's copying from the GPU to the CPU into JavaScript. So that's obviously not recommended, but you know, for debugging uh, or for slower running operations, something like if, you know, if it's fine to run at like w- once a second or something like that, or maybe even like 20 times a second, uh, you can do that. Yeah, the picture you have, the GIF you have in the in the pull request, which we'll link in this in the show notes, you can actually see it in action with the code. It's just pretty cool how it just kind of overlays um, in this picture, like the red box on your face. Yeah, um, that's that's one example of like, or the first draft that I got yeah. working. What a pretty exciting day for me <laughs> when, you know, I integrated Skia into, into Vision Camera. Uh, and it kind of really showcases how simple frame processing in general, the general abstract topic gets with React Native. And this is not just a library for React Native. This is like in general, you know, the whole AI and real-time processing space on mobile got way simpler with this. Because it's way simpler to do this in React Native right now than in like native mm-hmm. apps. I'm not sure how Flutter works in this area. I should probably take some, you know, take a look at that there. But this is like as simple as it gets right now. So, Mark, uh, unfortunately, we're running out of time here. But this, I've just been like 
uh, soaking this in. This is this is unbelievable how much work you've done and and uh, also how deep this topic goes. You wouldn't think like React Native Vision Camera. Like you you think about that that and it's like okay, how much depth can you get out of one particular feature, one particular library? But as you can see here, like we could probably go two or three podcast episodes and you still would have more to say <laughs> it's incredible like it's it's uh, this you know obviously this is a passion too because it kind of has to be in order to get to get this level of depth it's it's pretty amazing yeah of course yeah thank you it's uh, lots of lots of stuff it's um interesting stuff but at the same time you know it's just so many hours uh, oh yeah this, sure absolutely yeah. and i've i've known that like a lot of times people look at stuff like this and they'll be like wow you know Mark is really talented, which is true. Like you are a talented developer, but a lot of it is hard work. It's a, it's a lot of hard work too. It's like uh, people can do this. It's just a matter of will you sit down and, and learn all the APIs and really think through like what the public API should look like. What, what should it look like, the interface between that and React Native and and uh, how will you utilize JSI and how will you utilize the bridge and how will you kind of like handle the new architecture when it lands and, and everything else. I really hate to interrupt you, but we are unfortunately out of time. Um, thanks so much, Mark, for coming on. And I know people are going to have more questions for sure. So <laughs> where can people find you online so they can ask you more questions on Twitter or wherever else? Um, so if you want to ask React Native questions, you can you know follow me on Twitter at M-R-O-U-S-A-V-Y, um, which is my name everywhere. So, you know, GitHub, Twitter, everything. And if you have some, you know, very specific uh, camera questions, like, you know, 3D models and, you know, all those kinds of filter stuff, you can also send me an email. Um, everything is linked on my on my Twitter as well. So, Perfect. yeah, you'll, it, it, you'll, you'll find a way to contact me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And I'll post updates there as well on Vision Camera V3 and, you know, some fun GIFs to watch uh, about some, some projects I build with Vision Camera, some examples. Very cool. Well, I'd love to have you on at some point onto my Twitch channel when I when I do restart that. I do plan to do that. Uh, maybe you and I could could hack on some some uh, camera stuff or even MMKV. You mentioned AI. Uh, I do want to make a little side note here. My one of my first AI code mod uh, like experiments was taking was making an AI that would convert a React Native project from async storage to React Native M MMKV. Oh, that's and cool. <laughs> it actually worked. It actually did work. I wow. was able to get it to work. I was kind of not blown bad, away. Yeah. yeah. So I, I could show you that and we could play around with that. Because um, I don't know if we've mentioned, but you created React Native MMKB. So that's uh, it's relevant here. I do want to also say you can find React Native Radio at React Native RDIO. You can find Mazin at Mazin Chami and me at Jamin Holmgren on Twitter. You can also find me on Blue Sky, the new Blue Sky mm -hmm. at Jamin.dev. Uh, thanks so much to our guest, Mark, for joining us today. And as always, thanks to our producer and editor, Todd Worth, our assistant editor and episode release coordinator, Jed Bartoski, our designer, Justin Husky, and our guest coordinator, Derek Greenberg. Thanks to our sponsor, Infinite Red. Check us out at infinite.red slash React Native. A special thanks to all of you listening today. Make sure to subscribe. And uh, Mazen, do you have a Robin's mom joke queued up? I do. Let's Let's hear this. Let's get it over with. You have to savor it, Jamin. <laughs> what do you call a fish wearing a bow tie? I don't know. Sophisticated. Sophisticated. I need to do a better <laughs> Sean Connery impression there. Um, yeah, but that one was brought to you by... What does Sean Connery call a fish? <laughs> yeah, no, I'd be interested. Where are you
Um, uh, that was brought to you by Frank uh, Deleuze. Uh, thanks a lot, Frank. We really appreciate it. <laughs> we'll see you all next time. Bye.